Mundo with her her daughter tell Lulu that there was a kid in the gym that uh, had people in Mexico that chop people up, that kill people for money. He comes at me one morning, or he calls me, and I remember I was driving, and he calls me and says, hey, man, uh, this lady wants to kill you. And I thought he was clowning or joking. And I said, Mundo, you know, quit, quit messing around, man. This is, you know, quit joking. This is, this is, what are you talking about? He goes, she wants to kill you. She was just desperate and she wanted me dead. Put that coffee down. That's a clown question, bro. Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Lance Zerline. I'm Eric Layden, and I only wish that our listeners could be a fly on the wall because getting set up week after week, you'd think this is our 17th podcast and we could have some sort of, uh, you know, smooth intro mm-hmm. uh, into the day. But no, because Lance is is an old man and just... Technology evades him, eludes him, I should say. I, I, A, I'm not an old man. B, technology doesn't evade me. I just I sometimes I forgot that Allude my you. headphone was connected to my microphone. Okay, for those- And it pulled it off. No, 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 no. First of all, you just tried to balance your microphone on a pillow, <laughs> and that didn't work at all right. because it's right. a pillow. Well, and I took then, the pillow, yeah, I mean- And then you went to get a box in which you ripped- you didn't take your headphones off, so you ripped the microphone down yeah. to the ground in a tumbling yeah. fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, your new microphone, I might add. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, this is a process every week. I think eventually, when we get to episode fifty or so, we're going to be locked in. Some weeks, some weeks are better than others. Yeah, yeah. I, I have now. I know how you fell off a ladder and fucked your collarbone. Yeah, it's uh, it, it well, no, it wasn't collarbone. Well, was it wasn't it? even rotator cuff, but Shoulder. it's plenty bad. Yeah, it's plenty bad. Okay. Here we are, right. um, July, August, September. We're two full months in, and it's, I mean, I'm I'm waking up getting ice packs in the middle of the night, you know. Yeah, well, so, that's the life you lead now. Yeah, that's my yeah. that's my life. That and television. That and uh, sports on television. That and the boys on Amazon. That on te- and Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. Okay. Um, that. And Fargo, since Fargo just started up. So I got – and you know what's interesting, by the way, Eric? Three, Those three shows, Fargo, Ted Lasso, and – The boys. The boys all make you come back every week to watch. They're, it yes. is not a dump. Mm, well, um, I am looking forward to it. I just finished The Vow uh, on Showtime. Uh, well, I didn't finish it. I am up to date. There's still a few more episodes left. It's about the sex cult, uh, called Nixium, uh, run by, um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Ranieri. Um, what's his first name? Kevin? No, not Kevin. That's Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank. I can't think of the guy's name, but it's a, it's a fascinating documentary on, uh, HBO. Sorry. on, On HBO. It's called The Vow. Um, a bunch of actors, actors, actresses were involved in it. And they basically, one in particular from Smallville who looped in a bunch of other actors, uh, to this sex ring. It's insane. Yes. Female. Yes. She hit on Raheel, my friend Raheel and Mm ask 
about his wife. Try to get oh. his wife in. Oh, I yeah. swear this is. I had never heard anything about this. True story. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, she's a fucking lunatic. Um, Sounds like. But the bo- those three shows I'm looking forward to, uh, and I. Um, I have a lot of time coming up because uh, on Sunday uh, I am headed to Hawaii for two and a half weeks uh, to do some work. And I spoke with them today and due to the quarantine restrictions, I am going to land in Hawaii on Sunday afternoon at about four o'clock. And until Friday after my, we presume to be, negative test gets, uh, you know, released on Friday afternoon. I cannot leave my hotel room. I cannot leave my hotel room, not for anything. So I've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I've got five days in like a, you know, probably, I don't know, 500 foot room, hotel room. And you know, my, what, what I'm like in a hotel room. So I'm just, you know, this is not going to be good for me. So I, okay. I have a lot of questions. Number of one, course you do. Number one, um, you come in and you make the hotel your own, that's, you turn that's it into right. an apartment. So right. are you, you can't go to the local Hawaii nope. target. Nope. So what are you going to do? Are you going to bring a separate suitcase with all your little linens? So I'm, in the midst of doing some Candles. research, I think I can do like a like a favor or Postmates, like a, a delivery service in which I can order, uh, you know, maybe a candle or something from Target. I've got my digital picture frame I'll take, you know, pictures of the family. Uh, I'm taking my banjo and uh, my, my, my microphone. We're going to do a lot of podcasts uh, because I'm just going to be there and I'm going to catch up. I might watch all of Netflix. I mean, I've got a lot of time, so I would I'm definitely recommend. So I'm going to go with yeah. the boys, which I've been hearing a lot about recently. It uh, is good. Ted Lasso. I like that idea. And Fargo, I never even started. So I'm going to go back shit. to the beginning and do all the episodes of Fargo. That's four. Well, three seasons and then they're into season four. You sure you have that kind of time? Uh, let me think. Yes, I do. Well, if you get if you find yourself all the way through those, work in Shit's Creek on already Netflix. there. Done. You've already been watched watching. Them? I've been watching that since the go. Okay, God, that's so good. Why didn't yeah. you say something? Uh, I don't know. It's a it's it's not for everybody. I don't think Shit's Creek is for I everybody. Like but I I do love Eugene Levy. Yeah, uh, Daniel Levy is hilarious. Catherine O'Hara, very funny. Daniel Levy is fan. I mean, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy together are always great, but yeah, Daniel Levy is, I mean, both the kids are really great. Daniel Levy yeah. is awesome. Yeah, they're great. It's, it's a very, um, it's, but it's very kind of stylized. It's very funny. It's Katie and I will watch that like after, you know, I'll watch an episode of zero, 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 and then I'll watch an episode of Shit's Creek so I can actually sleep. You know, because like you have to watch, I watch those like before bed because I can actually go to bed. It's, it's super light, you know, mindless. It's very funny. What's, what's the show that is, that you can recall that's most disturbed you? Um, where, where you went to bed and you're like, or you didn't even go to bed after you've seen it, you're like, golly, this is. I remember watching, uh, the making of a murderer on Netflix when it came out. And that kind of, that kind of, I, I was up thinking about it a lot. 
Um, I don't really watch a lot of scary stuff. So there's not that the scary aspect doesn't do it, but the dark, I'll just have like gnarly dreams. Like zero, zero, zero is pretty dark. You know, there's a lot of brutal murder in that show. So it's just tough to go to bed right after that. I'll have dreams about being in like a cartel. Weren't you, you were the one who told me about the show where the guy from Utah ends up kidnapped in plain sight, I guess it's called where he ends up kidnapping the girl, um, oh. not kidnapping, but he, I guess yes. he did. He and that's a gnarly her. show. That's a gnarly show. That wasn't yeah. in plain sight. What was it called? I can't remember. You sure those it wasn't things, called any in of plain those sight? documentaries? Those are gnarlier than the than anything scripted. You know those documentaries where you're where you're seeing that like that stuff affects me a lot more um, than any of the other. Like it's it's. Because they're real people walking and living around, walking around, living, you know, the people that you pass. I mean, that's what the vow is so crazy is because these are people that I essentially, you know, would work with. And it's just amazing to me how fragile the human brain is uh, and how easily it can be manipulated into joining a cult. Uh, people are soft, man, and they are really we looking that to politi- be a part of something. We see that politically. Well, that yeah. now you just hit, by the way, it's called abducted in plain sight. That's what it was. Abducted in plain sight. That yeah. Was um, I recommend it. It's not like you said, it's, it's, but that's a similar thing. It's like, how do those parents allow the neighbor to sleep with their kid? Like that's insane. Just and, and you're talking about back just on it, sleeping, just sleeping, sleeping supposedly just like sleeping in the same the room. It's Remember, crazy. he even put up a wall to block. Yeah, it. I mean, he the put husband up his own wall in their house, dude. Wasn't it the father who jerked the guy off in a car? Like that's how manipulated he got that Spoiler he actually alert. in a car. That Spoiler he gave, alert! He gave the guy a handy in the, the people car. Listening didn't know he was going to go to Jerktown. Okay, well. That, uh, no, I think there's no spoiler. There's a there's a statute of limitations on spoilers. Yeah, and that show came out long enough a uh, long enough ago that I can I can spoil. Yeah, um, this show yeah, came out in I 2017. Just, I felt so bad for the guy because he's sitting there on his like you know recliner, his lazy boy, and he just starts to like tear up and be like, "Yeah, I gave him a hand job because and he needed it." He just said he needed some relief, and so I reached over and. Gave him Relieved relief him. with my hand, like I, oh no, the and then fuck? you find out, and then you find out he was with his wife also and their daughter. Oh, like, what dude. is wrong with you people? How do you not? Are you this gullible? Um, so you got to watch know, the vow. You got to watch the vow because ch- uh, no, I definitely want to watch the vow. It's wild, it and it's a wild. documentary, right? It's, it's not, a documentary it's not series. Acting. Okay, no, no, no. It's a docu series. It's on HBO, but I, it's not. There's been six episodes. There's still like a couple more to go. Uh, which I do think it's a little long. I don't think they need all these episodes, but uh, I think they probably could have done it in five, but they're stretching it out to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you will you will enjoy it because it's, again, manipulation of the human mind, and it's just fascinating. You know, when I think about, I think about what you said, the idea of wanting to belong to something is so powerful at the, mm. at the heart of it, at the core it is responsible for so many good things and so many bad things. The desire to be part of something is what gets you, gets some people or keep, keeps them in sports, mm-hmm. in the military. Um, 
the camaraderie of, of a workplace at times. It also is respons- responsible for gang culture, mm-hmm. uh, 100%, because you just want to be loved. You want to be part of something. It's responsible for, I think, a lot of the political um, dismay that, that we're in the midst of because you you have a team and that te- the other team is your enemy. And so you fight your enemy all the time. Just like when people say, I love politics in their bio on Twitter, asshole is what that means. Nobody actually loves po- politics is the act of, of, of working together to create some level of, of progress in a country, new legislation. It mm-hmm. is the act of policy. No, no, no. It's the act of, no, if you love politics, it means you just love to be on a team and yell at people that don't agree with you. That's all that, that, that's all that Twitter guy means. Right, right. I love politics. Oh, really? What policies, like of all the policies or or the platform issues, is there a platform issue with your political party that you disagree with? Uh, Well, I just want to own, well, no, I mean like politics, like fucking fight with people on Twitter and tell them, that they're retarded. Like, oh, right. well, you're not yeah. supposed to oh, say that okay. word. Yeah. Well, that's because of the PC. Right. Oh, so, okay. Yep. All right. But I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They don't yeah, really want, they don't about. love politics. They no, don't people love have politics. to be part of a group. I mean, good Lord. There are more chat rooms online for you to find your group. I mean, if you have a BMW M3, there's an M3 group. And you can meet them up, uh, like, you know, at a parking lot in the woodlands on Saturday. And everybody can, you know, look at their M3s and, you know, talk about the interiors. I mean, if you want to be part of any group, you can be part of any group. I, I drive a Jeep Wrangler. And I didn't know this when I bought the Jeep Wrangler, but apparently there's a thing if you drive a Jeep Wrangler that you do. You wave at other people that have a Jeep Wrangler. You oh, you're like kind a of in a club. Like, you, you're just in it. And I yeah. didn't know this. And after a couple like weeks of driving it, and I noticed people kept waving at me. You know, at first I was like, <laughs> I don't think I know that person. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he recognizes me. Yep, back at you, pal. And then I was with somebody who also had a Jeep Wrangler and they were like, have you gotten into like the Jeep wave? Like the, the recognition? I was like, wait, wait what is that? And they're like, Oh yeah. If you have a Wrangler and you see somebody else, you, you, you kind of just throw two fingers off the steering wheel. You know, it's cool. It's casual. Just what's up. Like we, we get it. And, uh, it's, so that's a thing. That's like an actual thing. There's a Jeep Wrangler and by the thing. way. Yeah, and by the way, can I tell you about the first time I was driving and I saw a Wrangler coming towards me and we were in traffic on both sides, so we now, weren't driving fast. Did you know fast. the rules Wait, yet? Did- no, I didn't really know, but well, I had okay. my buddy, my buddy had told me. So I was like, "All right, cool. Next time I see it, I'll give I'll give a toss, you know. I want to be part of this, sure." And so this white Wrangler is coming towards me. It, it's in the leftmost lane of its traffic headed south. I'm going north. I'm in the leftmost lane. So we're about to pass each other. And like I said, we're in traffic. So we're sitting there. So it's not like we're passing at high speeds. So the Wrangler starts coming up. I throw a wave and it happens to be like a 21-year-old girl who clearly does not know about this. Have, so yeah. she looks at me like, the fuck are you waving at, dude? Perf. And I'm like, no, it's like a, and now windows are up. I mean, it's not like I can explain myself. So she just thinks I'm an asshole. And not an asshole, but a pervert who's just no, try, like an old an man asshole trying pervert, to get probably. a 21-year-old girl. Yeah, asshole pervert. Yeah. You know what you know what George Costanza would have done, or even Larry David, 
turned around, followed her because they to need to her. explain it to her. <laughs> so course. they're chasing her down. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Like like one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes, The Jerk Store, uh, yes. when he has to go back into the meeting. Um, dude, I am in a such a good mood because yesterday I worked for the first time in like seven months. Oh, and welcome it was back glorious. to the workforce. Yeah, it was awesome. Like it being on set again feels so good. Uh, Can you say uh, which show? You know, I was on Bosch. Okay. Yep, I was on Bosch, and it was it was awesome. It it is kind of wild, the protocols with the masks and the all the. I mean, it's very different. It feels very different, but at the same time, it it runs. It's totally doable. It was is that totally your, oh, I, I, doable. One hundred percent doable. I mean, there is now, yeah. Did you do the? I saw you did the swab. You put that on social media and you broke our. Vow. I've done. A, I've done a nose test every other day for the last was, eight, eight days. Is that the first time you've done them? Uh, yeah, and I'm how about to they? start doing them again for Hawaii. So how I'm, were they? I'm like getting tested on average every three days. It was fine. What I found is, and why I know, or I can understand why there's so many false tests, is because I've gotten. Let's see, in the last week, I've gotten four different tests uh administered by four different people in four different ways so i can see where the false tests are coming in because like one person did both nostrils for like two seconds each another person did one nostril for five seconds way up high another oh, person I don't want did yeah another guy did it like just kind of pretty easy like you know tickled the base a little bit um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, it would actually felt kind of good. Yeah. Um, that's not a, but, it, but that's a thing. That's not a COVID test. And that's what, that's the thing with you right oh, now. Wait, I turned and coughed. That's not a, yeah. See, that's not actually test. a COVID. Yeah. That's not actually <laughs> no. a COVID test. I enjoy So it. that's why so, there's confusion. Yeah. Right. They shouldn't be anywhere near your base. So, oh. Yeah, that's one of the 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 that's some of the confusion that's kind of sparked among a lot of okay, different well, communities. I, I, is like I gave her my identity, my my ID, and uh, I I you confirmed I confirmed my birth date with him, and yeah, uh, yeah he Turn cracked back off the little cracked the tip of the stick, tickled the base, put it in some fluid, shook it up, and apparently I got a negative result, but the yeah. outcome was positive. Yeah, I don't. Everybody know. won. Yeah, that's you actually might have a case. Like you you might need to I'm not litigious. You might need to call I'm not the that police. type of guy. Nah. Okay. I'm not that fine. kind of guy. Just work through it. Just work through it. Yeah. Um, I still have never had a test. I haven't had to, to have a test up to this point. I was going to have to have one when I was going to have so, uh, shoulder surgery, but I didn't end up having the surgery, so I didn't have to have a test, but um I will say that I am waiting for the saliva test. Because that's supposedly ready. Like I'm waiting for that to be en masse to be out there for your industry and for sports and for everything else so that we can get to those. I'm kind of surprised we still don't have those right now. But we don't but, need yeah. it. I mean, I think, like in terms of our industry, we just had a line of crew members. They break up everybody. How long did it take? Group A gets tested on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Group B, Tuesday, Thursday. The next week it alternates. When do you get your and, results? Uh they get, I think they're like 15 minute tests, maybe 20 minute tests. And so the production's getting them. I thought those uh, weren't reliable. Uh, well, unless I'm wrong or, or maybe these nasal swab tests are like a 24, 
all the ones I've done that have been nasal swab that I've done at the drive-thru mm-hmm. um, have been like a 24 hour. So perhaps the one at work is 24 hours, but they just, they kind of know the next day if you tested positive and then they remove because there's on a set, there's a pod and B pod and the A's crew members don't mix with the B and the B don't mix with the A. And so I think the way it works is like if one of the A's, then they can narrow it down in terms of contact tracing. My point you, is, though, it do you wear anything fine. for contact tracing? Are y'all wearing anything? No. Okay. No, we fill out wearable- an app every day that just says, you know, I answer seven questions before I go into work. My son, um, Alec, he's in high school and has an app that allows him to, um, it, it, it actually tracks him and it tracks the other students at school. So it's, it's functioning That's as great. a contact tracing app, and which I think is, is fantastic. I think I it's believe really there's good a that he has setting it. on the new update on the iPhone. There that is, you can yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 And I opt in. I don't care. I mean, that's fine. You can have, well, I my- just think it's so funny that people say, no way I'm not going to let him track me, but yet they carry around their phone all goddamn day. You're in always their pocket. You're yeah. dummies. Like these are the same people that are like, you know, one day they're going to try to put a chip in us. They're, they're, yeah. They don't need to. You carry a the fucking 5G iPhone towers, all day. The 5G towers. You have a chip. And you willingly carry it in your purse or pocket all day long. And not only do you carry, yep, okay. yeah, I almost lost it yep. there. But yeah, yeah but well, you are right though. The cell pillow. phone, the cell phone I mean, is always tracking you. And not only is it tracking you, you're even you're willingly carrying it for starters. But the next thing you're doing is actually putting inputting information. Hoo <laughs> Face app. <laughs> Let me load up all my pictures into Face app I mean, for the Russians. It's just- it's unbelievable. It's like the same people that think like I, you know, I, the, I draw the line at, at at them putting a chip in us. Well, they don't need to, bro. You don't need my information. They have your bro. They have your information. Just turn it on we're on the so phone. St- we're so stupid that we not only willingly carry a chip around with us all day, we actually spent like twelve hundred dollars on said chip on the chip <laughs> on the chip. <laughs> Then we put Listen, it in our pocket, carry it around, and then input as much information as we possibly can. Like somewhere, there's just a room. People are like, "These people are fucking." Stupid. In 2007, there was probably 2006, 2007. There was a meeting at Apple and said, "All right, pitch ideas, Gary. What do you have?" Okay, listen. What I'm thinking is that we get handheld computers and. We'll call them phones. They'll be they'll be phones. We'll tell people they're they're smartphones. So we'll allow them. You know, some of the technology we're working on, we'll put them on those uh, those applications on there. What Gary, we're going to do is, is this is never going to happen. No, hold on. Let me tell you what 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 I think we can do. I want to try to have the American public and really internationally put their information into the phones. Um, all information, any and all Gary, information. Put them Gary, in do you there. think they're stupid enough to do this? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Are and we going to have to give them away? That, no, no. And this is the great thing. I'm going to make them pay anywhere from $900 to $1,200 for these um, smart computers. We'll, we'll call them a phone. And this is the great part. We'll charge them like $31 a month. So they'll think, oh, I'm hardly paying anything for this computer. And then what they're doing is allowing us to track them at all times. We have all their information and they're like, and then the great thing is now stay with me here. uh, Now stay with me here on this one, Mr. Jobs. I'd also like within three years to say, Hey, 
it's time for you to upgrade phones. You're eligible to pay us another twelve hundred dollars. Nobody thirty one dollars a month. I Nobody swear, do that, I think Gary. We, oh, oh, I could upgrade it to another phone, and we'll get them to continue to pay pay for their own data processing and our ability to track them and for all their personal information. Let me ask you, Gary, is there a way in order to really force them to upgrade that we can start to implement bugs in phones that are yeah, over three years old so can, they legitimately don't work? Yeah, we can really slow this down to where their phones basically no longer work. We can slow so the early versions down. Yeah, and then eventually they'll catch up with us. Somebody will file a class action lawsuit, and by then we're on to the next thing. It doesn't matter. So this, Gary, I, think I don't think humans could possibly be this stupid, but if they are, you are on to something. Well, listen, um, I think they can, and I think they will. Um, they have continued, you know, they've continued to support the office without Steve Carell. And I think that there's a chance that we could make this happen. Oh my gosh. That is a sad that is a sad reenactment that actually happened. <laughs> That's what you makes can it make so scary. people pay for it every three years. Pay I mean, for a new one. Oh, we are such idiots. I think that we won't go back into social dilemma because we talked about it already in the last podcast. But one of the most like disturbing visuals that they had in that in that documentary was they showed like the evolution of the human brain, and it was just like a very slight, long, you know, line kind of very slowly, ever so slowly right. going up. And then they showed you over the same period of time, technology, the evolution of AI. And it yeah. just was like, it, it just was a straight line, straight up. It looked like fucking Mount Everest. And it, and it talked about how AI was growing exponentially at a rate of like 400 quadrillion. What in could relation to the human brain. possibly go wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing at all. And here's the thing, Eric. Um, now that nobody memorizes, and this is, by the way, this has been going on for a long, long time. Nobody memorizes phone numbers. Nobody knows. No, and I read an article about this. The ability to create a path, you know, the old ability to look at maps and create your path for how you're sure. going to get places. Nope, not going to do it actually, now. Is actually something that's very important for the brain. It's something mm -hmm. that allows your brain to work through the functionality of problem solving. And now we've eliminated all problem solving. I can type super slap and I say, did you mean uh, sidestep the rusher? I fucking did. How did you know that? Uh, Gmail autocorrect. Dude, my son had a, a spelling test. Obviously, via Zoom, he works on a computer, my old computer. And so they were like, spell, you know, it was like uh, said. The man said, hello, said. Well, he can type in S-A and the little thing pops up, S-A-I-D, and he selects it. And he selects it so he gets 100. And I'm just oh, like, this my. is so, we can't do this. This is why you have to be at in-person school. Like, this you is ridiculous. Like, not only are you not writing it, which to, to work on your handwriting, but now the computer is doing it for you. Like, you know, it like where that graph had the human brain evolving at this rate, it's going to eventually over time start to go yes. down. We're going to go down yeah. to like caveman. You know, I mean, pretty soon we're going to be, you know, lying on our bed, eating Mexican food alone, you know, with no shirt on, on a, on a food towel. Well, you know, like a caveman. That's yeah. But I mean, eventually we'll be 
comfortable with ourselves to where we can watch TV with the shirt on and have a towel so that we don't get anything on our comforter. One day we have to That's get true. Mike Judge on to talk about idiocracy because it's terrifying. I don't know if you ever watched it, but he basically called the the human condition years and years ago. He basically said, our society is going to fall the fuck apart. And he nailed it. It is terrifying when you watch it again. Yeah, we're we're a mess. Um, we PC, let's actually work on correct that. University. Let's PCU. Yeah, that was, by the yeah. way. That good, one ends up hitting way different now. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to go back and watch that when I, during my it's Jeremy uh, Piven when he was thinning out. By the way, yeah, yeah. When I that one. <laughs> guy's a fucking dick. Who cares? Uh, 400 <laughs> hour coronavirus quarantine in my hotel room. I'm going to go back and watch PCU and see how it holds up. Yeah, um, watch PCU and Idiocracy. All right, I'm going to watch those. Uh, we got to jump into our guest. We've got an awesome guest today, uh, Ramon Sosa. Ramon is a boxer. He was born in Puerto Rico in 1967, and he died in Houston, Texas in 2015. Um, and if you're wondering what I just said, you're going to have to continue listening to the podcast because I actually did say what you think I said. Um, he'll be the first podcast guest we've ever had that has died. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited to have this conversation. So, um, right after the break, Ray Sosa. Ray, the freaking Puerto Rican. And he would be, and we, we knew he was into boxing. He talked about that. He was a former fighter from New York. Um, we talk about Tito Trinidad on the show. We talked about, uh, just boxing all the time. When, when Ray called in, we were talking boxing and, you know, to let people know before we get to your story, um, you were a fighter, weren't you? You're from New York and, and tell your story in terms of, uh, your boxing career. Well, actually I'm, I'm originally from Puerto Rico, born in Puerto Rico. I moved to New York when I was a little boy. Uh, when my parents moved us to, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Lived there for a while, but then uh, moved to Texas as a teenager, and uh, I started boxing in Puerto Rico as a very at a very young age, age, and then uh, did most of my boxing here in the states. Uh, had a lot, a lot of amateur fights, over a hundred some amateur fights. Had an opportunity to fight in the '84 Olympic Trials in the Western Trials. I didn't make the team, so I turned pro. Uh, as a pro, things didn't go my way. I just had bad management, so I, you know, I moved back to Puerto Rico with the with the management team. Uh, it was, it just wasn't for me. It was just the wrong type of, uh, it was just different for the, for this pro. It wasn't fun anymore. It was, the management was bad. So I said, you know what, let me just get back to what I love is, is coaching. And that's what I started coaching. I feel boxing. like is, is it true, Ray, that, um, it, you touched on it just briefly here for a second, but I know a lot of actors who are really, really talented actors, but they never have the right agent or manager. They're never able to have the opportunity to get into rooms. Had they, I think they would have been able to have quite a career, but because they didn't, they never really were afforded the opportunity and the right guidance to make it as an actor. And so they went on to do other things. I mean, it sounds like, is that a little similar in terms of boxing, where if you don't have the right team management around you, you can be great, uh, but just not make it? I think in boxing, what, the, what, what, what makes you a great fighter coming out of the amateurs is having a great pedigree 
having a lot of fights, coming, you know, winning a lot of national tournaments, international tournaments, being able to fight for our uh, team USA. And uh, I was, I was, I, I was almost at that level where I can, you know, get that. I had a good resume for 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 amateur. Uh, I got picked up by uh, 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 somebody saw me from the uh, from the island of Puerto Rico, and they were interested in me. And they talked, and I was still uh, 17 years old, so I couldn't sign a contract. So my father signed a contract for me, and uh, uh, that's when I moved down there. And long story short, man, come to find out, this guy uh, was using boxing as a cover up, and he was the biggest drug dealer in the island. And uh, that's really, that really, really tore me up. And when uh, when he got busted, luckily I wasn't there. I was I was over here, you know, visiting my parents, and he got busted, and they busted everybody. I mean, he was he was huge when they and he they come to come to find out he was he was the biggest drug dealer in the island. Wait, so he was yeah, just using boxing it, as a cover up, and like basically like running money through his boxing business, like to launder yeah, it. Yeah, he was just yeah he was just using boxing as a cover up. Uh, he he you know he's one of these guys that. You would have never thought he was like the nicest guy, you know, take care of everybody, take care of them, you know, kind of like uh, like all these big drug lords are. They they, they, right. they take care of you, want to you know, make you feel good and give everything you want. And but they're, you know, up to no good, you know, behind your back. And, and, that, and once I, I had no idea I was just a kid, you know, but he took care of me, though. You know, I, I had a I had a nice place in Puerto Rico. I, I had a car and had a weekly pay and. And he took care of me, you know, but uh, that's just the wrong kind of business. And that really kind of tore me up, you know. What kind of boxer were you? Were you, uh, d- were you aggressive? Were you, were you defensive? Were I, you, uh... <laughs> I was a, what you call a boxer puncher, typical boxing uh, from Puerto Rico, you know, more like a boxer puncher type of deal. Uh, not a uh, uh, counter puncher. That was a real good counter puncher. I was, you know, boxing, boxing is, a, is, is, is like a chess ma- match. You have to be really, really, you know, in there and and uh, and be smart. You know, what do you tell? Because you're now a teacher uh, and a coach. What do you tell your students? What do you tell your kids? I always tell my kids. I mean, I always tell fighters. I mean, I don't care how good you are. Always have a plan B. Uh, have an education. Have a you know, boxing is something that uh, it's not like football or, or baseball or all these other sports where. A lot of times they have contracts or guarantee contracts or, 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 you know, they have something coming that to them at all times or money coming at them. Uh, but a lot of times these guys, they don't, they think that they're going to be the next world champion or they're going to be making all this money. And a lot of times most of these kids, uh, come from very, uh, tough backgrounds and they don't educate themselves and, and get around people that see that they make a little bit of money and they take it from them. And, and when you come, from, you know, they end up losing all their money and, and, and end up in the streets or drugs or whatever, and, and they don't have a plan B. So I tell all the kids, education, education, or learn a trade, or, or, or you know, just don't, don't you know, boxing is only for a little bit, you know. Only, it only take you so far, and if you give money, if you make money, you know, learn how to invest it in the right way and with the right people around you. Well, that's really smart, and learning a trade and having an ed- education is huge. I feel like... You know, it's so hard to tell people in certain businesses to have a plan B because then if you have a plan B, are you really fully invested in your plan A? Um, However, I do think education, learning a trade, certainly very, very important. Um, I was always told as a young actor, you know, by people who are successful at working in the business that if there's anything else you want to do, 
it go do it because this is a grind and it is gnarly and it is not for the faint of heart. And you have to be 110% committed to doing this or it's not going to work out. Um, and I feel like that's probably a little similar in the world of boxing. Yeah. I think with all the athletes, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they grow up and, and thinking they're going to be a superstar and only a small percentage, very, very small percentage makes it. And, and, and it happens, of course, in boxing is, 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 is happens a lot because a lot of these kids, they come from a low income, uh, families or, or very tough neighborhoods or, or, and, and they're, a lot of them are taking advantage of easily. Ray, you talked about, um, that you ended up being close to someone who ran afoul of the law. Your, uh, your first, you know, your boxing manager who was, had a, a drug business and he used that as a cover. It turns out that you were also years later close to someone who ran afoul of the law again. Now, I want you to take us back to the very beginning of your story. Eric and I are going to let you kind of lay this out. If we need to jump in and ask questions, we will. But your story is a very um, interesting and unique story. Take us all the way back to the beginning of where um, your story, and you know which one we're talking about, (laughs) where that started. Yeah. uh, Well, this took place back in uh, 2015. Uh, I'm just blessed to be alive. You know, I tell people all the time that uh, every day above ground for me is a good day. I met this lady uh, in the year 2007. I was divorced uh, for probably about 10 years. I'm a father of three. Uh, I've been traveling a lot with boxing. I saw it. I was always gone. And, and, and But, uh, you know, I dated and, and I just uh, I was in the woodlands at the time. And uh, I met this uh, young lady at a restaurant in the Woodlands, and this is Mexican restaurant, actually, matter of fact. And then the restaurant would turn into a uh, uh, like a Latin bar after certain hours of the night, and around ten, I think it was. So uh, that's where I met her. She was uh, she was there dancing and with her friends, and she's beautiful. And when I first saw her dancing, I said, "Wow!" And she, she, I thought she was Puerto Rican the way she moved, to, you know, from the islands. Uh, but come to find out, she was in Mexico. And, uh, we met, uh, started dating. Uh, she she told me her story that she was out here from Mexico City uh, on a visitor's visa. Uh, had mother of a boy and a girl. The little boy was probably maybe early teens, and little girl was younger. Uh, and we kind of, you know, it was it was a great great relationship at the beginning. You know, she treated me like a king. She was just wonderful. Uh, Manicure, pedicure. My family loved her. She got along with my kids. Uh, every family gathering of friends, you know, they were always, you know, kind of jealous of me. Like, man, how do you, how you find some, you know, a lady like that? So, you know, she takes care of you. She's, she's, you know, does everything for you. And I thought, hey, man, this, is, this could be my next, you know, my soulmate. And what's her this name? Work out, but her name was Maria. Maria, the, uh, her nickname was Lulu, but Maria. Her nickname was Lulu. Gotcha. How long were you, were you with her? Uh, we were married, I mean, excuse me, dating for about a year and a half. We got married in uh, 2009. We had a small celebration, uh, and I didn't want nothing big, and she wanted anything big. I think she was you know, she was in a hurry to get married, and she felt kind of shame because uh, she was an executive uh, secretary back in Mexico for uh, the, uh, one of those big corporations over there. But she moved out of here for a better life for her kids, and, uh, and she ended up, you know, cleaning homes out there in the woodlands, those big homes, and uh, she felt kind of shamed that she went from being a sec, you know, executive secretary to do that, but she had to, you know, she wanted to stay here. 
And uh, once we got married, uh, she uh, she became she got a residency, you know, her green card. Her kids got the green card, uh, and, and everything was pretty cool the first three years. You know, everything, you know, we had a little ups and downs, but uh, especially with the young man, her son, I think that's where the problem started. And Ray, just really quick, like so, you know, a lot of people I think say, well, obviously she wants to get married because she wants to, you know, gain citizenship. But you guys were in a loving relationship for a long time, and and uh, you know, if this is a woman you love, clearly you're gonna, you know, do whatever you can to to make that happen so that you guys can, you know, live together and live a fruitful life. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's not that. I mean, I, that, I mean, that crossed my mind a, a lot of times, and I even had people that. Uh, Friends and families, man, you know, just be careful, man. You know, she, she, she doesn't want to get married to you just for to get papers illegal in this country. So, Ray, I, I want to ask you: what, everything is great in the beginning. Tell us where things started to um, maybe turn a little bit. Where does this story take a turn? Uh, tell you what happened, man. You know, that, like I said earlier, with this young man, her son, we I was having issues with him because. Uh, now he's in his late teens and he, he thinks that he you know, wants to do things his way. And I understand, you know, at that age, uh, boys usually go through all these different changes. And uh, she, you know, we even went through family counseling trying to get help for him. And she was she understood that 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 he never had a father figure. And with me being the, the new um, man in the house or the man of the house, uh, she, she, it was hard you know, for him to understand that. So that's what started with that. That was some of the issues. You know, I remember, let me tell you what happened. One day I got home and we were having a little issues, you know, with, like I said, with the kid. One day I get home, this is about three years and a half later, I get home from uh, from the gym and, you know, and I see all these bottles of champagne and you know, balloons and everything, American flags. And uh, come to find out, she, she had uh, gotten her American citizenship and, you know, and I had no idea that she, you know, that, that she didn't even invite me to to the celebration. I was like, wait a second, you just became an American citizen because of me, and you didn't invite me. And so I was I was kind of upset about that, you know. Uh, wait, so, so she uh, she literally you walked home and she was having a party for her American yeah. citizenship, and you had no idea. I, she never told me. And then she, you know, her excuse was like, "Oh, you always, you always busy with boxes. You always, you know, you always at the, you know, you always got something going on with boxes. I don't want to bother you." Okay, so you at this point, then you you guys were obviously starting to like not communicate properly, right? Because yeah, that's not see. something that doesn't sound like someone in a in a marriage that would be supportive. Where all of a sudden you walk in and she's celebrating with people for American citizenship and and says, "Yeah, come on, you're always busy, whatever." I didn't think you'd care. So at this yeah, point, he, things are already kind of rocky. Yeah, this is a this is this is when it started getting you know kind of rocky and you know having arguments here and there. Uh, so at that point, you you obviously not only are you having issues with family, your personal relationship with her. Now it's leaked into your business as well, since she's involved in the business. So take us from there. What was was there a time where you had a big knockdown drag out argument where you thought that it really was the tipping point for your relationship? Let me tell you what happened. We went to Puerto Rico on vacation. Uh, went to go visit my mother and father. Uh, and we were at the hotel, really nice hotel on the beach. You know, we're looking at the ocean. 
uh, we're sitting, we're laying in bed, and, and this is the type of person she was. She knew, she knew exactly what buttons to push and how to, you know, to just, just, just to agitate, just to, just to basically piss you off. What I'm saying. And uh, we're sitting there in bed, and you know, having a couple of drinks, whatever. And she starts, you know, make, you know, saying crazy things about my daughter. You know, and, you know, my daughter at the time she was doing some modeling, and she was, you know, she was, she did some things. She competed in the San Antonio and all this stuff, and. And she just hated the fact that uh, she was just jealous of my daughter so bad. And uh, she started saying, you know, bad things about my daughter. I said, look, man, you know, just, just, you know, we had a couple of drinks in you, so just calm down. Just, just stop, you know, saying that kind of crazy things. So we had a little back and forth, and uh, she started arguing with me and getting louder and louder. And, and then she said, I'm going to call you mother. So I said, what do you call my mother for? She got on the cell phone and, and, and called my mom, as a matter of fact. And my mom, of course, you know, she hears all this yelling and stuff. I just... I pulled the phone away from my hurt, you know, took the phone out of her, out of her hand. And then she goes and calls downstairs and said that I was being abusive. So, of course, the, you know, the security pulls, comes up there to the room and, you know, they, they made us basically sleep in separate rooms. Uh, the next morning, you know, we had to catch a flight. So, you know, but I, I just met it. It was like <laughs> we, we met downstairs and I see her hands are all scratched up. And I said, what the hell happened to you? And she said, don't worry about it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So she was already, you know, already uh, starting to do. She was planting seeds. Exactly. You know? Wait, so Ray, but but when you grab, okay, so you're you're in the hotel room. I just want to make sure I get all the facts here. We, you're in the hotel room. She's she's clearly trying to pick a fight, it sounds like. Right. Um, okay. So, but when you grab the phone from her. Was it a physical altercation? Did, did she fall down? Like, was there anything? Or you just grabbed the phone and were like, pulled it from her? I pulled the phone away from her hand, right? Wow. And, and, and then she, she gets on the bed, you know, she goes gets on the bed and, and grabs the phone from the, uh, the hotel. Right. And that's when she said, well, I'm going to, you know, that, you know, then she started getting like scared, like, oh, you know, whatever, saying that, that I was being abusive, telling, calling the security downstairs, telling them to send somebody upstairs now because I was being abusive. So and immediately so playing was, kind of the victim. Exactly. Like exactly what she was doing. And uh, I said, oh, this is, this is getting, going from, from bad to worst. Uh, so, so when uh, you got home after that. and I'm interested in how the plane the flight was. Well, yeah. First of all, yeah. Where did you, did you sit next to each other? Or did yeah, you, we had to you? sit. Yeah, we sat next to each other. And it was crazy because, <laughs> that, you know, she, she fell asleep. She fell asleep on the, and then she lays with her head. I'm like, this, this lady is crazy. She laid her head on my shoulder. And I'm looking at her hands scratched. And let me tell you, you know, I've always kept my nails cut short all the time. I never had, I, I hate long nails. So I always say, this, this is, I said, no, this is, this lady's, no, 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 I'm not, not going to fall for this. I already knew that she was already planning stuff, you know what I mean? So, right. but, but the, the, the thing about her was that she was a good manipulator. As soon as we got home, you know, she said, let's talk about it. And, and we, you know, <clears throat> She would always want to talk about it and make you feel like it was don't worry about it. We can get over this, you know, and and make me feel like you know it's, it's just things that happen in marriages. We'll get over it and let's just move on. So, wow. so, so what happened then? So once that once that transpired, you knew things were going sideways, and obviously there's clearly there's clearly a lot of ever, evidence to back that up. Take us to the next direction of of this crazy tale. Let me, let me give you a little background on this young man. Uh, this young man that I used to train, his name is Mundo. And I have met him. I have met him back in 
about the year 2000, he had walked into one of the gyms that I was at in Houston, and, uh, and he was just gotten out of the, uh, the you know, he was a ex gang member, just got out of the, the, the jail, and this kid had been stabbed. Uh, you know, just everything you can think that that can go bad in gangs. He, you know, he had gone through. Uh, but he wanted to change his life, and uh, he came into my gym overweight. Uh, he told me straight up, I said, Coach, I mean, I don't, I just want to lose weight. I'm, not, I'm a little older. I don't want to know how, I just want to know how to fight. Uh, I always wanted to be a boxer, but I never had the opportunity when I was young. Uh, he told me his whole story, so we came real close, and he became real close to me and my kids. And, and later on, he became like my right hand man, helping me with kids and mentoring kids. And so he became real close to me. Again, that's when I was still going through a lot of things with, with uh, Lulu then. And at this point, I was uh, later on, I was, we just couldn't get it together. So we just decided to get divorced. Uh, and that's when uh, Mundo comes in because uh, he knew everything that was going on between me and her and everything that he had heard from me and, and her. So it was hey, kind of hey, caught Ray, up in the middle. How much time yeah. passed between Puerto Rico and when Mundo came in? Uh, probably about a, about a year, year and a half. So Mundo comes back into your life. And one day he he comes at you with some information. Yeah, that was uh, he. At this point, me and Lulu were going through the divorce. Uh, we just couldn't, you know, it was not going to happen. It was, we were just going to live anymore together. And uh, he comes at me one morning, or he calls me, and I remember I was driving, and he calls me and says, "Hey, man, uh, this lady wants to kill you." And you know. I said, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I, I used to think that because he was a little clown, he was he was he would say crazy things sometimes, we joke around. And I thought he was clowning or joking. And I said, Mundo, you know, quit, quit messing around, man. This is, you know, quit joking. This is, this is what are you talking about? He goes, She wants to kill you. Because he sometimes he was he would close the gym for me. He would stay behind and clean up and, and train and just but that night, uh Lulu's had stayed with her daughter and and Mundo was still there, and he just happened to walk into a conversation that they were having in the uh, in the office. And uh, Mundo overheard her daughter tell Lulu that there was a kid in the gym that uh, had people in Mexico that chop people up, that kill people for money. And Lulu made the comment like, "Oh, we might be able to use him." And Mundo caught that as like, "Oh, hey!" You know, he was like, he was just in shock when he heard that, and. Uh, and he just thought about it real quick and said, you know what, let me, let me intervene here. And he, he told Lulu, hey, look, you know, I don't know what y'all talking about, but, you know, that kind of stuff, y'all need to be careful because you never know who's listening. So later on that evening, uh, Lulu bus by herself and Mundo. And Mundo asked her, is that about Ramon? And she said, yeah, man, I can't stand it anymore. I wish he would just leave or you, I wish he would just get out of my house, you know. And then she did the the, the pistol sign. Mundo did the pistol sign. He's talking about leave like this? And she goes, yeah. And that's when Mundo said, you know what? Uh, and this decision that he took is why I'm, the reason I'm alive today, because he told her, you know, I've got some people that can do the job. So he immediately had the wherewithal to say, I know somebody that can get that can kill Ray for you. Yeah, basically, he told her, you know, I, I got people that can do the job. And, and the reason, well, yeah, because he's, he's an ex gang gang member. So he, right, you know, that, that right. makes sense. I mean, it didn't track knew all that about him and, and she took right. it as, you know, she was desperate because, you know, she had tried so many different ways to get me out of the house and, and just make my life miserable, you know, but. And do you think Mundo, great. when he said that, um, like he already knew where he was going with this? Like, do you think when Mundo said, I got a guy, he already at this point knew 
that he was going to set her up? No, he was just, you know, worried about her having a plan B because he said, man, if I, if he was looking out for me, he just, he told me that I don't, the, the, the reason I said that was because I don't know if she really had somebody already in mind. And I said, uh, that's why he took that decision. Like, well, let me, let me tell her that I had know some people that can do the job. Gotcha. Instead, so it wasn't instead. necessarily to set her up, but it was to save your ass knowing that like, if she already had somebody Stalling. doing it. Yeah. Just to stall her a little bit. Exactly. Exactly what it was. And that's when we met and we had, you know, me and Mundo had a long conversation and she said, man, I'm going to meet up with her. I'm going to record everything she says. And uh, I'm going to see she's for real. I'm going to see if this is for real. So that's what he did. He got his phone. He would record all the conversations. And then we would meet later on that evening, me and Mundo, and I would listen to all the conversations. And let me tell you, man, that's, it's to this day, I still get the chills when I listen to the kind of stuff she was saying, how she wanted me dead. Do you have that yeah. conversation with you? Uh, yeah, I have to. I have to those recordings. They're in Spanish, you know. She 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 talks. She talked to him in Spanish, but uh, but I have those conversations recorded. That yeah. it's it, it, why did she think she could trust him with that information? When did she not know that he was getting close to you? I mean, you you just painted a picture where you kind of took him in and everything. How, why would she trust him? And that's another thing that crossed my mind. You know, why would she talk to him about that kind of stuff, knowing that Mundo was, was close to me? And, uh, and, and he, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I was thinking, like, maybe they have something going on and, and, and you know, they're trying to use me and, and put me in the middle. But uh, he, he, he said, no, nah, man, you know, she just trusts me because she's desperate right now. She's desperate because she knows that uh, she's losing money. Uh, so, uh, she was just desperate and she wanted me dead. Because she had to get it done in a certain time. Am I right? She needed to get it done before the v- divorce was finalized. Otherwise, you, she wasn't going to get the retirement and, and all the exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and what's so crazy, one of the recordings, this is what blew my mind because we had gone to Mexico. Uh, she told Mundo that she was planning on killing me two years prior, like around, I guess, 2013. Wow. And, and Mundo said, he said, what, what are you talking? I said, yeah. And she told her that uh, when we were on vacation in Mexico City, no, Mexico, and we had gone to, uh, uh, you know, she, she, she just took me everywhere in Mexico City. And uh, she said that her plan, she had a plan with her sister that they were going to uh, have somebody hold us for ransom, me and her. And then they were going to let her go. And then they were going to hold me up and kill me. Uh, and then, you know, her, well, how come you didn't go through with it? I said, well, I didn't have the heart to do it then, but now I do. Did, did she get, did he, uh, did Mundo get that on tape as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. All that stuff was recorded. Everything. So we guess it was, what's so crazy about it that the lady, she was talking about her sister. She would also come to my house and she would stay for a length of time. And then she went back to Mexico. So they had this plan already. So what you're told her listing, sister, her sister told her like, Hey man, you know, Bring him here because you know what? The people disappear in Mexico all the time. They'll never find them. When you're listening to an audio recording of your wife talking about killing you and having planned to kill you already and then trying to hire someone to kill you and you're actually listening to it come out of their mouth knowing they don't know they're being recorded, what is the – I mean, can you just give us an idea of like what – that feels like? Is it rage? Is it sad? Like, wh- what is that? 
it was a surreal feeling. You know, let me tell you that, uh, you know, and, and at, we were still living together at that point where all this stuff was going on because uh, I have a two-story home in the Woodlands and she was living upstairs with her kids and her mother and I was living downstairs, you know, because we were still going through a divorce and she wanted me out and, and I said, no, no, this is, I'm the one that pays the bills here. You need to go out. So I was going through all that knowing that she was, was, was you know, we're still living together while, while, uh, while she was going through all this uh, thing with Mundo. And I literally, like they said, sleeping with one eye open, I literally slept with one eye open in my room and, and, and locked the door. And it was just creepy knowing that yeah, the right. person upstairs wants to kill me. Did you have to like pretend to live a normal life at this point? Like you couldn't let her know that you knew. And right now you're gathering, you and Mundo are gathering information for the police, or maybe you're already even talking to the police at this point, yet you're having to like live this life in your home as if you don't know with a woman that is trying to kill you. Yeah, we try to keep it as, as low profile as possible. And, 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 and it was another crazy thing was like Mundo had promised her that the two guys, you know, that she had got two guys. It was a guy named uh, Paco and Jumbo. And these were fake, you know, of course, fake names that he had, you know, fake people that he had told her. And uh, he said that, look, uh, he told her, we, 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 I got the guys already. Uh, we, you know, they, they just need a couple hundred dollars to buy the toy. The toy was the gun. And they're ready to do the job, you know. Uh, you know, she, he, you know, he would text back and forth with the supposedly John Boy or Paco, and what, and she had no idea because he would text in front of her. She had no idea that the whole time he was texting texting me because I had a track phone. Oh <laughs> and she had wow! No idea so the you whole were time. involved. So you were John Boy. Yeah, I was one of the. I was one of the hit. I was playing my own hitman. Wow! <laughs> so and, and at this point, or the. Yeah. Are, at this point, are the cops involved? Like, did they give you the phone to to do this? Did they like because this is, dude? Now at this point, she's texting. Y'all are sitting on the sofa watching fucking Netflix. She's texting a, a guy that she assumes is your hitman, and yeah. she's really texting you, who's also on the sofa watching Netflix, having well, this no, conversation no, she, with she, it. No, it's, she was actually with Mundo. They would be they would together. Oh, she was with Mundo, Mundo at the time, have, and you're have, in a different have, location. Yeah, I was at a different location, but I had I had the track phone. I was, uh, and then they would be te- he Mundo would be texting me in front of her to let her know, like, look, he's for real. You know, they were asking questions wow. about let's do this. And, and, and so, and, at and what she, point did you involve the police? Because I would think at some point you don't want to cloud, you don't want to do something that's going to compromise this case. When did you involve the police and what was their initial comments to you when you had this? Did you, did you provide them all the information? Like how did that, that part go down? It was when she gave Mundo the $200 for the gun. Then we said, okay, that's enough. That's that right there is, is, is enough to go to the police. I said, once we got the money and it's in, it was on, it was, it was recorded and everything. I said, that's enough. So me and Mundo went to the police uh, in, in Woodlands. And they wow. were kind of shocked because they, had, they, they was, it was hard for them to believe us that, that this lady, you know, she's beautiful, never had any problems. You know, she was like a perfect lady and that she would want to do this. Uh, so they, you know, listened to Mundo by himself and they listened to me to see if our, if our stories were met, what would, would be uh, the same. And sure enough. And then uh, they just started bringing, they brought in the Texas State Police, the, the Texas Rangers, the FBI, the constables, they all got together and said, no, we need to move in and we need to move in fast because she wanted me dead. And she wanted me dead fast because uh, she knew that the divorce was coming up 
the fight to be finalized. And uh, she knew that if if, she, if uh, they kill me after my divorce uh, was finalized, uh, well, you know, if, 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 I, if they didn't kill me before my divorce was finalized, my kids would get everything. So it was kind of right. like, you know, so it was kind of crazy though. Uh, so when they come to you with this idea, which in reading your story, I was just dying because it it is like straight from a television series. But when the Texas Rangers uh, come to you with this idea that they're going to take you out to the desert or wherever the hell they take you, dig a six foot hole, put you in it and basically put a bullet hole on your head and take pictures of you to prove you're dead. Like what? Can you take us through that? That was that was another crazy moment because I had no idea they were kind of. I mean, that, I mean, I, they had all the evidence they needed. They even brought in an undercover hitman to meet with her, and, and that was supposed to be either Pac or John Boy. And they had enough audio, video to to catch her and uh, to arrest her, basically. And then they called me in one evening, and they didn't call Moon, but they should, you know, and they told me this is what we want to do. Here's the plan. Uh, we basically want to make this a slam dunk case. Uh, we have enough evidence to arrest her, but you know, like I said earlier, she's she was a beautiful lady, never had any problems. Mother, uh, you know, just want don't want any. Uh, she if this thing goes to trial, we don't want any of the jurors to feel sorry for her. So we're gonna stage your your you being dead. And I'm talking about, and I was like, what do you say? You know, <laughs> and they. Put these pictures, you know, I'll never forget the, the, the guy who came up with these real pictures of the actual dead men that have been shot to the head with bullet holes. And they said, uh, we're going to pick this one right here. And that's the one they picked. And that's what they did. You know, they said, we're, we're going to put this, we're going to do this tomorrow. And then we're going to take you away for three days. So she thinks that the job has been done and show her the picture. And that's what they did. And what was and her response? Wow. She to the laughing. picture, did they get a response? Yeah, they had her on video. They had her on video. The uh, undercover, uh, they showed her, uh, and she was happy. You know, when John Boy, I think it was, you know, shows the, the hitman that she thought was the hitman, showed her the the, the picture of me dead. Uh, I tell people, man, that's that's a crazy moment in my life when I look at that video and I see her laughing when she sees my picture, my picture, and she has the nerve to ask the, uh, the undercover cop, he's not getting up, right? He's dead. And he goes, yeah, he's dead. He's not getting up. Ray, who did the makeup for the uh, the gunshot and things like that? Oh, wow. That was, these guys, you know, they come out there, they, they had this little kit. And I'm thinking, like, well, that, that's going to be like something the kids, you know, for Halloween or something, you know, like makeup for Halloween. And sure enough, they, these guys, they had looked it up on a, uh, on YouTube on how to make bullet wounds. And then they come here and, and put that on my head. And I'm thinking, Wow, you know this is ridiculous, man. She's not gonna believe. She's not gonna believe this, but you know she fell for it. But they they, they never done that before. They, that was that was the first time they got it off of YouTube. Yep, they got it off of YouTube. One looking at videos of these little girls putting you know whole, you know like bullet wounds on their head, and, and it came up you know it came up pretty good. I learned how to sous vide uh, sous vide a chicken from YouTube. Um, <laughs> I have not learned how to do bullet holes with makeup yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was it was a crazy, crazy thing. But she fell for it, man. And uh, Ray, what um, what was it like? Did you go to the the trial and arraignment and when she was sentenced? Uh, did yeah. you were you in the courtroom? Yeah, I was. I was. I was at the hearings every time she she had a hearing. And uh, 
The last like? one when she was when she finally after about fifteen months in in, in uh, prison after she, after she got locked up, uh, you know, she just uh, pleaded because she 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 was uh, charged with uh, first degree solicitation capital murder, but after about fifteen months, uh, she pleaded down to a second degree solicitation of capital murder and got twenty years. Uh, and I was in the courtroom. Uh, in the courtroom, I never forget it was full. There was a lot of media there, a lot of people were there, you know, that have been following this case. Uh, and they asked me if I wanted to say something, and I stood up, and and nobody expected me, or to, to hear. Nobody expected to hear what I said, and I, and I basically forgave her. I, I I stood up and I said, look, uh, you know, everybody in this room, uh, it's not perfect. There's not one of us that is perfect in this room. Uh, I forgive you for what you did. You know, we you know, I let God take care of it. And, and you know what? Uh, what you did, now you have to pay the consequences. Uh, I have to move on with my life. You know? Plus, she wow. seemed committed. So much rage. She seemed so committed to that rage, too. So I probably would have just, hey, I just want to make sure there's no hard feelings here. Uh, I know eventually <laughs> you're going to get out, it sounds like. So, you hey, don't be so mad at me. Yeah. No, it's true because you know after after there's some kind of crazy law here in Texas that after her first or second year after being locked up, uh, she has she came up for parole and she's been coming up for parole every year, but she's been denied obviously. But uh, I mean, I don't know how long that's going to take. You know, it's going to keep going. But uh, mm. I mean, to this day, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm very careful. I I, I don't know if she had a plan B. You know, there's still, still a lot of crazy people out there. I do kind of low profile. I, I moved out of the woodlands, rented my house, sold my business, and and you know I just still to this day, you know I don't. I live always, you know, kind of like looking behind my back. I don't go to places where there's a lot of people, uh, so my life will never be the same. Well, yeah, because you know, as far as she's concerned, she's first of all a sociopath, but she also. You know, as far as she's concerned, you like set her up. So she's like feels again, probably like the victim. Like she's, you know, she's in jail because you set her up. Well, she so, set herself up because Mundo. Yeah, but I'm just saying, in in her in her mind, um, right, right. did you ever did you ever talk to her after that day in court? No, she never once looked at me doing doing. Uh, I don't know how many hearings she had. Not once she ever looked at me. Uh, I remember one time the camera caught her and she was smiling like you know, she was all chained up and still having like it like she was like it was no big deal. I think she thought that she was going to get away with it. Uh, right. She, you know, her parents or not her mom and her family, they got a little bit of money in Mexico. I thought she thought, well, they're going to take me out of here. It's no big deal. Uh, and what about but, Mundo? Have you have you spoken or seen Mundo? Yeah, Mundo and I, uh, you know, as, as we, we kind of like not not feel apart. We, you know, kind of went our own ways a little bit because uh it's the like, only thing that that I that I hate that this has happened to me that I have become a little more cautious of people who are around me. Even though I love them to death, it'll always be a person in my life that I owe. Uh, but it's just that I just like to be alone a lot now, and and even my family tells me, you know, don't, you know it's just it's, it's it's different now, you know, for me to be around people, and and, and God forbid, one of the things I think about if somebody comes after me. I just want to be me. I don't want nobody else getting hurt. Yeah. yeah but I mean, I, I would think that a situation like, or, you know, a, what you went through, it, I mean, it's can cause some serious trust issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a lot of trust issues, you know, and, and, and it's difficult. It's very so difficult. You, you know? So you're telling us you're not that. dating now, Ray. 
yeah, you know what? You know, I, I am dating somebody special. Oh, yeah. and, but you know what? This time I went I went back home to the island, you know, to the Puerto Rican side. <laughs> you know, I told me, you know, she she's uh, uh she's actually from New, from New Jersey, but she her parents are Puerto Rican and uh I tell people, you know what, she's beautiful, has uh does well for herself, high credit score. She does. She's there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you read a background check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, but but and, you know, uh, other than everything that happened to me, I've been able to to turn my my story into a lot of good things because uh, my story had made headlines all over the world. He's been on all kinds of platforms. I've been able to travel and talk about my story and do uh, public speaking, and it's been on all the major uh, uh, crime shows and. Uh, be working on an actual script. I actually got a script and I was able to write a book. Yeah. Well, that's, am- that's amazing, by the way, um, that, you know, at least out of all of this, you found that, you know, kind of a, a, a path that wouldn't have been afforded to you. Um, certainly not one that you, you know, not that, you know, you deserved going through what you went through, but what do you tell people when you're, when you do your public speaking or in your book, um, you know, what is the message uh, through all of this that you've kind of been able to share with people? One of my book, the name of my book is called uh, I Walked on My Own Grave, which is crazy. <laughs> it, it's how, uh, uh, and, and another thing about that, I tell people also that I'm probably, you know, one of the there's two men that's ever walked out of his own grave. That was Jesus and me. <laughs> you know? so, but uh, but yeah, I've been able to use my because story. you really were inside a, a hole. You were inside, yeah, yeah, like was, to I take the photos. You they grave. put you they dug a six foot hole in the ground and yep. put you in the bottom of it. Yep, they sure did, and it was it was very eerie. You know, to hear all this the camera taking pictures and all this clicking. You know, and, and it's just it's just unbelievable, man. Uh, so what is the message hope. when you do your speaking? Well, I talk, you know what I talk about, Eric? I talk about uh, on behalf of men, because what happened to me happens to a lot of men. And and men, you know, as we, we don't like to talk about it because we feel shame when we are being or the, or the, or the recipients of uh, physical abuse, uh, domestic abuse, uh, uh, being falsely charged. And all that stuff happened to me, man. And, and, and you know, here I am, you know, uh, an ex-boxer. Uh, you know, uh, physically, I can, you know, I don't, I don't back down from no man at all. But you know, I'm not, I'm not, but I don't, I don't go out there picking fights. But to have a, a, this lady treat me like that and, and get to the point where she wanted to ruin my life and all that didn't work, uh, she wanted, she uh, wanted to have me dead. Uh, I talked to a lot of men, and I've been able to reach to reach a lot of men around the world, and. And even women have come up to me and, and contact me about how uh, people, you know, after they listen to my story, they they really realize that, that they need help. And that's what I tell them: don't don't be ashamed to get help. You know, go out there. There's a lot of men that go through this and they don't get help. And that's what I was going through. I should have gotten help and, and talked to people when I was going through all this stuff with her. But I was just, you know, kind of sometimes you feel ashamed, you know, uh, that uh, the, the, the authorities are not going to believe you. Uh, that that you know, don't think you, you know, you know, maybe you think that you're a punk, you know, all this stuff, and, and it's nothing like that, man. You just gotta, you just gotta uh, speak up and get help, and 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 you know, been able to do that. Well, I, I always think wonder what happened. That's a great message. To, yeah, it is a great message, and I always wonder what happened to Ray, the freaking Puerto Rican, our boxing caller. 
you fell out. (laughs) I didn't know where. Now I know what happened. You were in a grave for a while. You died in 2015 and then came back to life. So, hey, man, it's it's been it's been a hell of a roller coaster, man. But uh, 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 like I said earlier, you know, we got the we got the book out there. It's it's doing very well. Tell everybody the name of your book one more time and where they can find it. The name of the book is I Walked on My Own Grave. Uh, It's on Amazon and all the major bookstores. uh, They have it as well. I'm glad that you are safe and alive and and healthy and happy and um, that you're able to get out and kind of talk about your story and spread a message uh, of things that you've learned and um, just wish you nothing but the best, man. And again, I really appreciate your time with us. I, I, um, I, I, I'm going to walk around differently uh, today uh, because it's not every day you talk to somebody who had a second chance quite like you. And I'm going to go home and kiss my wife and tell her I love her and no hard feelings on anything that's ever happened. Yeah, seriously. I mean, next time my wife says, I'm going to kill you if you don't do this, I'm going to I'm going to take it seriously. Ray, thanks for joining us today on the, the podcast and telling the whole story. It's very fascinating. The first time we've had a guest uh, that had a story like yours. So we appreciate you uh, going off script with us. Oh, no worries, man. Thank you for having me, man. As always, thanks to the friends of the program, Blackland Distillery out of Fort Worth. Check them out online or on Insta, Blackland Distillery. They've got some uh, fantastic bourbon, rye, vodka, gin, uh, whatever you're fancy, they can uh, they can lube you up. Also, Tony Moles over at the Anthem Agency. That's A-N-T-H-M Agency, handling all the graphic design stuff for us that we put out on uh, social, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Check him out on his Instagram or uh, the company's website, Anthem Agency. They got a lot of cool stuff over there, and he's a great dude. Uh, thanks again. We got a killer guest next week. So until then. See you next week.